Globally, one in every eight people suffer from a mental disorder. Anxiety and depression affect people from all walks of life, all ages, all ethnicities, and we're here to talk about it. This is the the Quiet Quiet Chaos Podcast. From anxiety to depression, from disorders to marriage, and everything in between, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. Bold, Bold, real, real, raw, and we'll have some fun. Let's do it. This is the Quiet Chaos Podcast. And now your host, author, therapist, international speaker, Jason R. Sullivan. Welcome to the Quiet Chaos Podcast. This is your host, Jason Sullivan. It is a pleasure to be back. I always look forward to sitting down and recording. And uh, really looking at the questions that you guys send in, uh, you never disappoint. Uh, I have two great questions today. Uh, They tie together very beautifully, and so this week we chose two. Really quickly, I want to give a shout out to my man, Keith Kramer. Uh, Our intro and our outro both are done by Keith. Uh, Brilliant job, Keith. I hope you're listening. We just really appreciate it and love it. So, Back to our questions. I have two questions. One is by Anonymous in Kuwait. And the question is this, how can I control my anger? Sometimes I lose my temper and I feel out of control. The second one is by Sarah J from Sacramento, California. How do I keep getting into toxic relationships? How can I stop doing it? Um, These are both great questions and they really do tie together quite well. When we're looking at anger, and we'll start there, uh, Elizabeth Dougherty uh, in the uh, Harvard Medical Review uh, talks about anger and the location of of the emotional uh, production uh, of anger in the brain, and this is in an area called the amygdala. The amygdala is responsible for producing uh, and reacting to fear and anger. Now, anger is what we call a secondary emotion. It's a, it's actually a, a negative secondary emotion. <coughs> As a negative secondary emotion. And what that means is that the primary ones like fear, sadness, and disappointment, these are experience-based emotions. Something startles me, I experience fear. Uh, something uh, brings pleasure, I feel happy. But secondary emotions are really the the self-aware side of our brain that begins to interpret the why, okay? I failed a test, I'm angry. Why? Because I'm a failure. So we go to shame or guilt. We go to extremes and we begin to take out that secondary emotion of anger on ourselves. When we take out that secondary uh, emotion, uh, whether it's shame or anger or guilt, what we're doing is we're, we're carrying out punishment. See, guilt itself is a legal verdict. If I run a, a red light and I have to go to court and the judge says, well, you are guilty of running the red light. Well, maybe I have a good excuse or a good reason. And I say, well, no, I, was, I, was, I did run the red light. Absolutely. But let me give you the context. Uh, my ailing... A grandparent was in the back seat, and I had to get to the hospital. Um, I apologize for running the red light. I did do it. 
but this is the reason for it. And so the judge may see that and may say, well, um, you did it. You did run the red light. You're guilty of running the red light, but perhaps the circumstances are different and the judgment might change. In a court setting like this, the judge has the freedom to hear your argument and decide, are you guilty or are you innocent? In our minds, we don't always function without bias. And so when we look at the evidence, we look at the things that we do, we don't do, we begin to judge. Why did I do this? I know better. I hate myself. I hate the kind of person that I am. I always mess this up. Why am I this way? And see, that's shame. Okay? If guilt is a verdict, then shame is the prison sentence that's carried away. This is very important in terms of anger. Our anger is an indicator of our fear. If my anger on a scale of 1 to 10 is a 10, then my fear my sadness, and my disappointment, which are all primary emotions, will also be at a scale of 10. If I want to begin to work on my anger, and, I, and I've gotten some feedback on this, uh, it's not always been positive, but um, I, I told people a long time ago that I don't do anger management for sessions. I do fear management, and fear management, once you get that down, well, your anger problems tend to decrease because really nobody has anger management issues. They have fear, sadness, and disappointment issues. Everything past that becomes the prison sentence of our primary emotions and our experiences. And so knowing who I am beyond my reactions, knowing who I am in the sense of awareness. Uh, these are the important things. Coming to peace with those things, well, that's a, that's a more difficult thing because self-condemnation is a form of control and our body benefits from a sense of control. And by engaging in that cycle, what we begin to do is establish neural pathways that are tied around self-condemnation as a, a habit or a routine or a structure that reinforces safety. All right, so we get caught in a loop and we, we stay angry at ourselves, we stay miserable, we are always blaming ourselves, and that voice that drives us in the back of our head is always telling us the same thing. You're not good enough, you didn't do it, you failed, you're, you're just not enough, uh, you're a bad person, and nobody wants to be around you. <clears throat> it's interesting how that internal monologue looks a lot like a relationship. Uh, it is a relationship. It's a, it's a relationship between two sides of ourselves, the side that knows, the side that doubts, the side that doubts feeds back to the side that hopes, and back and forth. Which one do we believe? And the problem is, is that the region of our brain, it's called the autonomic nervous system. It sweeps. It's like radar. It dismisses positive. Uh, I get a bad rap over this positive thinking stuff. Uh, I am not against positive thinking, but I am against toxic positive thinking, and I'm against positive thinking as a means of changing people. Uh, it, the brain just is not wired that way. There's an order of operations that goes on. Uh, we experience things physically first. The senses, I touch something, I hear something, I smell something, I see something. 
Uh, these things happen first. My body takes in the information. It sends it to the limbic system. The limbic system decides if it's safe, unsafe. All my neurochemistry comes into play. If it's scary, my adrenaline increases. If it's not scary, my dopamine might increase. And then after those steps, then it becomes cognitive. Then I'm thinking about it. Other way around, it's like trying to drive a car backwards. You just can't really do it for a long term, and it's just not designed that way. And so I do believe in positive thought. I just look at achieving it in a way that makes sense. And so what you're going to find is that as we go through the process of, of dealing with our anger, dealing with a healthy relationship, one is you're going to see the similarities. And two, uh, you're going to find that in the process of dealing with our internal anger, we begin to deal with our internal sense of value and how we present in a relationship. Okay, so if we look at anger as a coping strategy, and it is a coping strategy that gives us a sense of control, decreasing that means facing our fears. As we face our fears, if we do it in an isolated way, if we do it alone, uh, we start violating these core concerns uh, that uh, a gentleman by the name of Irvin Yalom came up with. Uh, there's this need for continuation that what we do will continue on. Okay. The second one is the need for purpose. We all have to have a purpose. How many, how many times do you hear people saying, I just need to find myself. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I need to figure out what's next or what, what am I going to be doing in 20 years? Uh, if, any, if any of you have sat through a job interview, you have had that question. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? And that's, a, that's an important question because it does show that we have a sense of purpose. Now, you have the sense of continuing your purpose, the sense of purpose, and now you have to have the freedom to pursue the purpose. So freedom is the third category. And the fourth is community. Purpose and community are very closely tied. What, what medium do I do my purpose in? Who carries that purpose forward? And who allows me the freedom to pursue the purpose? Well, this is my community. And so we have the internal relationship, the thinking of our brain that goes back and forth. Am I good? Am I bad? Um, we, we have a community setting where we begin to develop our sense of purpose. We have a community setting that helps us understand our freedom, the way that our purpose, purpose will carry on. And basically, we find validation in ourselves and in the world around us. Now, this is really important because when you're talking about a toxic relationship, well, toxic uh, relationships play into this very, very closely. If I don't know myself, if my fear levels are high, uh, my fear of inadequacy, my fear of either not having intimacy or having intimacy, my fear of abandonment or my fear of rejection, if they're high, then I will place the burden of those needs being met on my partner. And I will know my partner more than I'll know myself. And when I lose myself in a relationship, I'm, I'm not giving my partner the pleasure of experiencing me. See, 
we go into a relationship and we think a lot of times we're getting the good end of the deal. And sometimes, absolutely. I think my wife is deaf. I got the good end of the deal. Uh, my wife is an amazing person. She's smarter than me and I love her. Uh, I love her to death because she is smarter than me and she's a, she's an excellent person. But what if, what if you had a value coming into the relationship where someone might want you? Maybe they want intimacy with you. Maybe they look at you and think, wow, this person, man, they're different. There's something special about this person. And all of a sudden they start using these validating terms. And what if they don't want to leave you? What if they don't want to abandon you? And what if they kind of like you and they enjoy your company? And even if you disagree, there's not a point where you feel rejected. Okay? No relationship will do that perfectly. But every relationship is a building process. Now, if I'm looking at toxic relationships, a toxic relationship will function on fear. I've talked about our insecurities going into a relationship, but if we're looking at our partner side, our partners have the choice to be intimate with us, to risk with us in validation. They can risk with us in abandonment and rejection. But there are other things that need to be looked at. And so if I'm with someone who's unhealthy, their ability to engage with me on an intimate level will be defensive. When I share something, maybe something that hurt me, their tendency will be to blame. Uh, you shouldn't have done this. It's your fault that this happened. You always go into this nonsense. You talk about this, this, and this, and nothing ever changes. Well, this is gaslighting, okay? Withholding validation. Uh, this will come in terms of, you know, you think that you're this way. You think that you're special, and you just think it too much, but that's just pride. You're proud, and you're not as good as you think you are, okay? The problem is, is that we will believe that. Our autonomic nervous system is the one that sweeps for danger, and it dismisses compliments. It dismisses positive feedback. So they can say 5, 10, 15 different things, but our mind will gravitate towards that one negative, okay? And if we're processing, if we're in the middle of an unhealthy relationship and we're processing, well, they did say this, and this tore me to pieces, and it hurt so badly, but maybe there are some good qualities, okay? If you're having to search for that hard for good qualities, then this is a red flag. You're probably in a relationship that is seriously in need of help or one that's not going to last. That fear of abandonment uh, in the third category, well, abandonment uh, is just the, the idea of being left. And maybe we fear abandonment. We covered that. But what if our partner threatens abandonment? What if they're always on the verge of, you know, I don't know if I want this relationship. I don't know. Maybe I want other things. And they keep you in limbo, constantly feeling like you're on the verge of being left behind. Well, that's also a toxic trait. And if we look at rejection, uh, several years ago, I had a, a, a friend and he asked me a question and it really was a difficult question um, because I had to sit and think and and that thinking took me about, I don't know, a year to, to really finally make sense of it. Maybe that's because I'm not that smart and it takes me time to process a lot of things. But he asked me this. He said, would you rather be unknown and loved or be, un, uh, or be known with the possibility of being unloved? Well, obviously, I want to be loved. 
And obviously I want to be known, but the problem with that question is that it left, uh, it left an opening for a third, uh, a third possibility. What if I'm fully known the good and the bad of me? I risk, I share who I am, and what if the person loves me anyway? You know me and you still love me. Not sure why, okay? My confidence isn't that high, but I showed you who I am and you still choose to love me. And if our partners do the same and we choose to love them, see, now we've bonded. We've, we've created a, a bond that very few things can take away, very few things can diminish. It deals with the intimacy. It deals with the lack of validation. It deals with the fear of abandonment and rejection. See, open communication, communicating our fears because it reduces anger and defensiveness encourages the relationship. Encouraging the relationship with continued openness builds intimacy and bonds. They keep us out of unhealthy and toxic relationships, and they give us a sense of confidence and they help us grow not only as a couple, but healthy relationships will help us grow as individuals as well. So anger is fear, sadness, and disappointment. Toxic relationships boil down to unattended fear, sadness, and disappointment. Understanding ourselves in the process, how our shame and our uh, guilt play into that, how our how our identity plays into that, this is where the work has to be done. These are tough topics, and uh, I really appreciate these questions. Uh, I wish that I had more time to go and to talk, uh, and I wish that I had uh, the ability to bring you guys on the show and talk with you and get your feedback as well. But on that note, we have come to the end of another episode and I look forward to seeing you guys and talking to you next week. Uh, I am excited to hear your feedback through the week and the topics that you send. Uh, keep sending them in. Uh, just message it uh, on IG at QuietChaosKW. And we will keep looking at it. Uh, send your comments too. If you have ideas, if you have thoughts, if you've got criticisms, I can handle those. I like uh, all kinds of feedback. So feel free. And I will see you in seven days. I hope you have a wonderful week, a great weekend, and a lot of rest and happiness. You've been listening to the Quiet Chaos Podcast. Our passion is to talk about anxiety, depression, and disorders, and answering tough questions, but having fun doing it. Coming at you with facts, interviews, hard-to-discuss topics, and a little bit more rebellious than your typical mental health show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram at QuietChaosKW. Remember, there is hope even when your brain tells you there isn't. See you next time on the Quiet Chaos Podcast.